Hey everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 226. Bring the science, wait for it, to the fiction. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Rena as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Good, how about you? I am doing fantastic. Sorry for that little cheesy pun I did at the beginning, but you know, I gotta work on those dad jokes, you know, just to get better at them. (laughs) Dad jokes are the best. Thank you. There. At least that's one person who agrees with me, right? Or maybe there are probably a yeah. lot more people who agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> virtual high five. Right through there. That was the that was the sound effect <laughs> of the virtual high five. I'm sure I'll Love probably it. put something even better in. But yes, today is not about our virtual friendship. It could be, but today is going to be about collecting sci-fi novels. But before we start to talk about this sci-fi adventure, I'm going to ask the cliche question that may make you want to regret coming on this show. Who is Rena? <laughs> um, I am 38 years old. I've been collecting vintage sci-fi for as long as I can remember. Um, in the off time, I'm a veterinary technician. Um, needless to say, I'm better with animals than people. But you're good with me, right? right? No? Absolutely. No? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> but does that imply that I'm an animal? If I am, I'm a giraffe. Yeah. Majestic giraffe. Heck yeah. You picked a good animal. I don't even know what a giraffe sounds like. Uh, That's that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Yes. So that's great. A lovely individual. I love the interest in different fields. And that's a wonderful thing a human should have. Different interests everywhere. And of course, before we jump into the topic of collecting sci-fi novels... I'm going to also ask, do you have any social media links, websites, or projects that you're working on that you would love to share with the listeners? Uh, Not currently, but you can uh, just find me as angelofsin84 on Instagram. I'm not super active on it, but I do share some of my uh, vintage sci-fi finds at used bookstores. Perfect. I'll put that down below so people can go check that out and follow your journey. And speaking (laughs) about journey, you know, sci-fi is pretty much all about journeys, right? So we're going to jump right into it. How did you get introduced to reading sci-fi novels? So when I was younger, um, I'd probably say around like 12, I read Fahrenheit 451. And that became basically the whole reason that I got into sci-fi was because of Ray Bradbury. And have you read that book again? Or is this like one of those times you like, you just read it once, you're like, you know what, this is good enough. I read it at least once a year. And when my husband and I travel overseas, we always make sure we get a copy of it in the native language. So uh, when we are in Prague, I have Fahrenheit 451 in Czech, which is super cool. That is pretty cool. And since you read it quite often, do you ever like just like reanalyze something like, like, what did that mean? Or could it mean anything different? So I think the thing, especially with Ray Bradbury, is you can reread his novels and they take on a different meaning every time. There's a certain way to relate. And he was so in-depth that it was more than just, you know, like alien planets and astronauts. It kind of sounds like as you got older, you just kind of related your real life to like things back there. It's kind of it's kind of like a self-reflection. It's kind of cool when it comes to sci-fi novels. And I'm sure you've read for many, many years as a lot of humans do. Are there any books that really hit you differently like the second time you read it or like you read it? Um, Probably The Illustrated Man, going back to Ray Bradbury. Um, he's like my go-to author. Like anytime I read something of his, you have moments where you have to put the book down and just be like, holy crap. You know, like it was written <laughs> so long ago and yet here we are and relating to it. 
Um, I wish he was with us now so he could tell us what to do. And how many of his books have you read? Um, I've read every book of his except for two because I'm super corny and I don't want to read those two because that's it. He's no longer with us. So um, I figure he's still around if I don't read those two books. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of corny. No, that's not corny at all. So why two books and not just one book? I don't know. That is such a good <laughs> question. <laughs> but so have you read the back of the book or not at all? Like you just saw the title. You're like, you know what? I'm saving this for like a super, super, super rainy day. Like, like a downpour, like a flood rainy day. <laughs> um, I mean, I really want to read those two books, but it's just, I have like a stupid corny attachment to my authors mm -hmm. and so i'm just not ready to face the fact that we'll never have anything by him ever again and speaking about being attached to the authors who are some other authors that you really admire um i love frank herbert you can't go wrong with dune ever i do like besides sci-fi i'm really like attached to neil uh gaiman um daniel quinn he was a really good one but he's more philosophy more so than anything it's not sci-fi at all <laughs> and speaking of dune there's a movie that came out i think it was last year now this is yeah. a hot topic for people who read novels and there's movies about those novels what is your take on the adaptation of a novel into a movie um specifically for dune sure let's go let's start with dune which is the most recent one okay. and are there any other of your books that you've read that were turned into movies or tv shows that you're like wow this is great or oh why <laughs> um yeah when hbo redid fahrenheit 451 i was livid they changed absolutely everything and just kept the title i think mm. they tried to update it and make it more relevant quote, quote when they didn't need to do that at all they just butchered guy montag and that was really annoying but going to dune i think dune was we finally got the movie that dune fans have always wanted and unfortunately there's a lot of people that are like well, I didn't like it because they didn't explain this. They didn't explain that. Okay, well, you already know that because you wrote the book. The movie was made for fans of Doom. So for people to get upset about certain things not being explained just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It was a beautiful movie. The music was intense. The Even the lighting. It was just a beautifully done movie. And I'm really, really excited for part two. Mm -hmm. And I think the movie itself was around like almost three hours long or just under shy of three hours. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got goosebumps a couple of times and I'm like, I, that doesn't happen to me. I'm one of those readers that's just like, oh, well, they screwed that up. They screwed this up. I was actually able to like sit down and enjoy the movie for what it was. Okay. So this is a, another question on the same topic out of all the novels you've read. Is there any one of them that you would love to see made into a movie? But let's say if it was made into a movie, it was made perfectly. Oh, my God. It, there's a, it's a book called The Tin Angel. And just to set this up, the cover has a skull on it. But in front of the skull, there's a cocker spaniel in a straw hat and a cane doing kind of little like ta-da dance. <laughs> um, it's It's awful. <laughs> But I love it so much. And you can't really screw it up. It's about this dog detective in the future. So, you I don't got really me see hooked. how you can screw that up. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh my God, ask DT about it. 
Okay, well, people who are listening to this episode who are like, you know what? I'm a filmmaker. I'm going to make this happen. I'm sure the arena would love to see it. I, I wouldn't doubt that you would not like to see it. <laughs> and absolutely, absolutely. I'd be the first in line. And back to novels, because we talked a lot about movies. But since this episode is about collecting sci-fi novels, what is your preferred sci-fi novel to read? Because the, the sci-fi is such a giant universe of topics. You can have so many different types of sci-fi novels. So what is your preferred sub-genre of sci-fi? I basically, I love my vintage sci-fi. So anything pre-moon landing, um, I will definitely give a read uh, because the authors really have to think things over and come up with their own, like, they have to be more creative um, since we weren't in space yet or anything like that. But then I like my occasional, like, you know, space opera. Like, I have read more Star Wars books than I care to admit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm a total geek when it comes to Star Wars. Um, but yeah, um, so I don't have a subgenre I really gravitate towards. It's just more so that time, like the first thing I'm going to do is look up when the book was published and then kind of go from there. But if the, if the cover is really corny, then I'm going to get it no matter what. So on top of that one you were talking about with the skull and the dog, is there any other sci-fi novel cover you're like, whoa, this is wicked cool. Um, so Childhood's End by Clark. That's a really good one. Um, I, there's a book called The Gods Hate Kansas, and it's some alien monster attacking an astronaut. It's intense. It's great. <laughs> all right. I need, I need to, after this episode, I need to see all these covers. Just, you know, just because I Absolutely. think we were talking about this in Discord as well. You're going to show them all. And you showed some of them as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I have so a I know, lot. <laughs> so I know exactly what to use for promo material for this episode. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. And is there any sci-fi novel you're looking forward to that is, let's say, announced, let's say, a sequel or a new series or anything at all? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I've kind of not been reading as much this year. It's a good question. I mean, I know it's not sci-fi or anything, but I would love to see Christopher Moore come out with a new book. And as far as sci-fi novels um they have a whole slew of new star wars books coming out which i'm really excited about it it really jumps to different levels that we haven't read before which means more potential for more tv shows and movies (laughs) right another thing for disney to butcher yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully this is not so much of a butcher but the opposite of butchering kind of like creation like groundbreaking what are some game-changing yeah. sci-fi novels you've come across? Like, whether the approach and how they did it or the story that was just like, it's so left field, but it, it's game-changer. Um, probably Philip K. Dick, um, especially with uh, Do Androids Dream Electronic Sheep. Um, I thought that was very game-changing in the fact that it's just like, listen, there's no animals. There's only clones. This is what's going on. And I think it's, I would put it as hard sci-fi, um, but it was definitely one of those for the time that it was written was just way out there and just so creative and beautifully done. And on the timeline scale, you know how like fashion comes in like waves. So it's the 80s was like the hair with a hairspray. The 90s was something else in the 2000s. What would you say is the current like popular trend right now for sci-fi, sci-fi novels? That's another really good question. 
I think sci-fi, like as far as writers have gone, people really haven't touched it much lately. And something needs to happen where, you know, we get a new perspective of something or uh, I'm just trying to think of how to base it. Because I think sci-fi, even though a lot of authors have not come out with anything particularly like fantastic, I think Dune, when the movie came out, really got people into sci-fi in general. So I'm hoping that we see more from the, reper- well, not repercussions, but more from um, that movie coming out. So it's kind of like they're helping each other out. The movie comes out and just inspires people to create stories and the re- the new renaissance of sci-fi. Yes, I like it. All right. So people listening who are into sci-fi and novels, it's your time to shine. <laughs> And speaking about you, because the title of the show is Collection of Sci-Fi Novels. So how big is your sci-fi novel collection? Um, So vintage sci-fi, we're probably looking over 100 plus. Um, They're all in paperback. And um, I certainly do judge a book by its cover. If the cover is awful, I'm going to snag it up. Um, My latest one was Land of the Newts. And it's about newts that are trained to basically like do what, uh, like, police officers and stuff like that are supposed to do, but then they get smarter and they take over the world. So it sounds awful, but I'm looking forward to it. Did you say newts? Newts. Yeah, like newts. You know what that kind of reminds me of? Because I I love reading mangas and watching anime. There's one that's called Terra from Mars, where it's about these humans who send cockroaches to Mars to try to like see if life can survive on Mars. And the cockroaches after like 200 years evolve into these like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like big beefy, I don't know, steroid monsters that try to exterminate any human that lands on earth. And the humans are genetically infused with like insect powers. Like it's like the fast, like a spider. It's <laughs> that's what just, that's what it's reminding me of. But <laughs> you had me a cockroaches to space. <laughs> there you go. Another I'm type of sci-fi. Me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk more about that. It is creepy as well. So I think I think uh, this is where we're going to build our friendship on newts and cockroaches. <laughs> I'm all for it. And so for you, you'd say you have 100 books. So how do you store them? Do you just put them in boxes? Do you put them up on a shelf or you organize them color coordinated or you're printed or what is your way of handling your novels? So I have um, the plastic bags that are like, they say won't corrode the covers or anything like that. I put them in those and I have them stored on a certain shelf in my, um, in my family room. So I don't go by author. I don't go by year. I'm one of those messy bookworms that is just like, okay, there's space, put it in there. You know what? It's kind of like a scavenger hunt though. When you open up something you're like, oh, that's a cool book. That's a cool memory. You just open a, a cupboard. It's a surprise every yeah. time. Yeah, that's kind of like it triggers a, a memory. You know how like a smell triggers a memory? The book will create, mm-hmm. create a memory. That's cool. I like that. Absolutely. And for you, since we're talking about novels, what is the current novel you're reading? Um, I'm reading something called The Bear. And I just started it today. And it's dystopian. Um, the author's writing style is um, kind of maddening. Um, it might be a book that I don't get through, but yeah, there's really no premise to it so far. So I'm not really captivated by it. 
And speaking, well, not being captivated, maybe it'll come later on. And I'm sure some books, they just grasp your attention like right away or later on. So which novel that you started, you're like, oh, that's fine. But then out of nowhere, it just completely blew away all your expectations. Uh, I'd probably say like, honestly, The Martian Chronicles by Bradbury, going back to him. Um, it was one of those, I was like, oh, okay. And then halfway through it, like, I couldn't put it down. It's not sci-fi, but there's an author called Paul Tremblay, and he writes amazing horror books. And his books literally, like, I have to put it down to remind myself to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, are you the type of person who can finish a book in a night or like, you kind of just, it's like 5, 4 a.m. Like, I have to finish it before I go to bed. Yeah, I can easily finish a book in a day if I like am not working. <laughs> but um, and depending on writing style, too. So like the current book that I'm reading, the writing style is very quick and I'll probably be able to finish it by tomorrow if I decide to give it a the good old college try and try to get through the awful writing style. <laughs> Well, you know what? I love I love the dedication. And if you love doing it, why not? Just go through it. Power through it. So sleep is overrated, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I insomnia. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You just got to teach yourself to sleep read. You know, you can sleep walk. You can sleep talk. You just got to learn how to sleep read. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Can you imagine how many books you could read by doing that? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a definitely, that's definitely a skill. And <laughs> just pry your eyes open and just like... Uh, just murmur everything mm -hmm. actually speaking that would be a weird way to consume books do you consume books in other ways so you do have a lot of paperback do you also do let's say ebooks or listen to audio books as well i do ebook um i haven't read one in quite a while i go through stages like there's sometimes it's like i just want to read on the e-reader and then other times i want a physical book and then other times i'm actually having one book on the e-reader and one that i'm physically reading and no audiobooks right no audiobooks i i would like to get into them especially with the star wars books um my all-time favorite character is thrawn and so it would be really interesting to hear how people take on his characteristics here's an idea if space castle is listening would you like them to narrate the book only if they're <laughs> drunk <laughs> That would be a beautiful disaster. We're looking at all it you was. guys, Alex, Seth, and DT, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes to you consuming your books, do you like to read books serially or in parallel? Um, in parallel. Um, and then going back to like to Star Wars, like a lot of people read according to the timeline, but I, I don't care. There's a key in front of each book that tells you where you're at in the timeline and I'm good to go. Okay. So I have to ask the other question, all the star Wars movies, which order are you watching them in? Oh God. <laughs> we're going to, oh, we're going to go with the original trilogy first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm in a goofy mood, I will absolutely watch the prequels and the new ones. I got, I got really mad at how much they changed characters and they changed, um, what's considered canon and now disney is like okay that doesn't matter it's like why do you need to create m new stuff you literally have hundreds of books that you can go off of that people will enjoy but i mean it'll work for the mouse so i honestly thought when you said i go goofy you're like oh, i'll watch episode five three 
eight, <laughs> one. It's like, okay. That's, that's, okay. Yeah, just pick a number between like one and 12 and I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter the order. Oh, Darth Vader. Oh, wait, now he's back to a kid? What? Oh, spoiler, Did, my bad. Well, if it, no, no, it's been right? long enough. It's been a long enough. Yeah, it's been long <laughs> enough. It's your fault if you haven't known that by now. I'm not taking Absolutely. blame. <laughs> and so back to sci-fi novels. What would you say is the best part about reading sci-fi novels on a personal and an emotional level? I think sci-fi has a way of being a lot deeper than people think. Um, and I really like diving into that. It's a completely new universe, a different type of creativity. You know, it's not where the crawdads sing kind of BS. Um, I, I just really, I really enjoy how creative that authors can get, uh, with their sci-fi and like going back to Ray Bradbury, I know I mentioned him a lot, but the first opening story of the illustrated man was insane. It was one of those, like, I had to put it down and be like, holy crap, that's where we're at right now as a society. So that's what I love about it. I get way more out of sci-fi than I do any other genre. Was there any book that ever just like made you like sweaty? You're like, oh my goodness, nope, I'm way too nervous. I gotta, I gotta let go of the book or else I'm just going to make it completely drenched with my sweat. <laughs> um, It's called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. And that book was so intense. It was so minimal as far as the story goes, but written so intensely I don't know how many times I literally had to put the book down because I was holding my breath. And I'm like, holy crap. Like I could, I was tensing up. Like I needed a Xanax kind of book. <laughs> <laughs> that, that book has to come with like an oxygen detector just to like you attach your finger to it. It's like, Oh, you're missing some oxygen. Just, just breathe. <laughs> that would have helped me a lot when I was reading that. <laughs> and since it made you sweaty, make the book waterproof there. Two mm -hmm. and one. <laughs> yeah. I will make sure to message him tonight about it. Yeah, top priority. You got to. Yeah. Uh, and for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started collecting sci-fi novels? Um, Probably because my sci-fi novels are vintage. Um, some of them can get really, really pricey. So I really had to, it, it sounds weird, but I really had to set a budget for myself to be like, I'm not going to pay more than this for the book plus shipping. So that was... It was difficult. And I don't know if you saw, um, I recently, I paid only $40 and it was a signed paperback copy of Fahrenheit 451. Hmm. Yeah. And it, the book is in really bad shape, but the signature is good. I've always wanted a signed copy. Uh, mm -hmm. That was probably the biggest thing. I was just like, wow, I'm going to spend 40 bucks on a paperback. But I think it was warranted. <laughs> it's definitely worth it. If it's part of what you love to do and it just enhances your experience, I am an enabler. I approve. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I'll make sure that when the, the bank statement comes in, I explain that to my <laughs> so, <husband>. yeah. Alex <laughs> said it was okay. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. So what is your current challenge these days? Um, As far as sci-fi books go, I'd probably say it's really hard for me to get out of the rut of exploring new authors. And because I'm just, I'm one of those people, like when it comes to my books and my heavy metal, I am very particular and I don't like straying too far from what I like. So I'm, I'm pretty much stuck with the vintage sci-fi authors. 
Like I just enjoy everything that they brought to the genre. It's you may say out of this world sometimes. Only sometimes. Sometimes it's in yeah, this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we talked about, you know, stressful environments. And when I say environments, like in stories and like holding your breath. But overall, what would you say is the most stressful part about reading sci-fi novels? You're really making me think hard. I know. That's Um, my job. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And you're doing it so well. Nice. I'm going to get the job. (laughs) Yes. Another high five. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. I guess it's because I don't know what direction, especially if it's a newer sci-fi movie novel which direction Mm. it's going to go because we already know so much we know more about space than we do our own oceans Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to tell where they're going to go for it versus the vintage sci-fi they're like yeah we're going to have like this planet that decides to kill everybody off if they decide to be a jerk and i don't think the new sci-fi novels would go that far like i think it's hard to find like hard sci-fi which i guess which vintage is uh, compared to others. Speaking of which, has that ever encouraged you to maybe just fiddle around with the idea of creating your own story? Um, I honestly, I don't have the patience for it. Um, I could create my own story, but I guess the will isn't there. Like, I like to sit down and read. I don't like to sit down and write. You're going to re- read other people's writing. God, I had to formulate that sentence in my head. Yes. Read other people's <laughs> writings. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, and what would you say are some misconceptions about people who read sci-fi novels? Oh my gosh, that they're like the dorky, pizza-faced, like, you know, glasses that are three inches thick kind of thing. Um, it's really hard being a female, especially that reads sci-fi. I don't know how many times I've tried to have conversations in used bookstores with people about, you know, like what book they're picking up. And you have these guys looking at you like, okay, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. So I'd say it's definitely more difficult to be a female that's in a sci-fi. And then when you say that you're in sci-fi, like, I don't know, people are often confused about me because like I said, I listen to heavy metal. I've got the tattoos. I work with animals and here's my sci-fi collection. (laughs) They kind of have this prejudgment of who you are before actually interacting with you, right? Absolutely. But I'm okay with it. I'm fine in my own skin. But when they do learn more about you, are they more welcoming or like back to like, no, this is my way or the highway? Um, Very my way or the highway. I do have a couple of friends that are just like me. Like we go to heavy metal concerts together. Um, We have the tattoos, all that good stuff. Um, But we have a little circle that really, really loves hard sci-fi. So it's always really fun to have that group. But as far as random strangers, it's hard. And especially, like I said, being a female. Okay, so now you got me curious about your tattoos. And since we're talking about sci-fi novels, is one of your tattoos, if you have multiple, related to sci-fi? No, but I am planning one. (gasps) Uh, Tell me, tell me. I know, I know. So what I want to get is, of course, we're going back to Fahrenheit 451. Mm -hmm. I want to get old school lighter that has 451 on the front of it. So it'll be very, people who know will know. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, you know. If you don't know, now Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, if once, once you get that, I'd love to see it. I feel, I already have like a little visual in my head of what it may look like, but I'm sure you've been thinking about this for a while. 
I have, and ironically, it's like been put on the back burner so many times because I'm like, no, I want to get the next big project done. You know, like I know I really want that 451 tattoo, but I also really want to get my entire shin tattoo. Ooh. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask. It's I'm just quickly gonna ask, what is that tattoo gonna be? I'm super curious. <laughs> um, old school dagger with um probably the the bells from a band called Midnight. Yeah, they're like heavy. They're they're black metal meets thrash metal. So I love them. I adore them, and I have no problem getting their symbol tattooed. Okay, this is another. I'm trying to combine all your interests together just to learn more about you. Have you ever found, let's say, a heavy metal or a thr- thrasher or like a band that included some like a song that's related to like sci-fi? And you're like, I I dig this. Oh, there's there's so many, so many. I mean, <laughs> typical. If you want to go with like old school, you're you got to listen to Guar. Like they're aliens that come down every show and they resurrect their giant worm Gorgor and then he gets killed at the end of every show um, and it's definitely space and sci-fi <laughs> Gorgor sounds like Kenny from South Park just dies every episode but he does and he, <laughs> he has hope every single time that they won't show him and it still happens he's like you know what this time will be different for Gorgor Gorgor's gonna make <laughs> it's it it's an abusive relationship <laughs> Oh, poor Gorgor. Shout out to Gorgor for, you know, just keep on striving for the best. <laughs> I believe in you, Gorgor. And now back to you for sci-fi reading. What has it taught you in life? Um, To look at the broad spectrum of things. Um, there is deeper meaning to people's actions. And um, I don't know, like, don't put your head down and just look at the ground when you're walking. Like, it's if anything, it's just like in, enjoy life, take a, a look around you and just realize that there's more to it. And I bet you it also helps. I could be wrong, but it helps you to like see the world through different lenses as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. If only we can share each other's glasses. Like I don't have glasses, but like the metaphor glasses of sharing each other's views. So to see what you see, to see what I see. I see chaos. Yeah, I mean, you can borrow, you can borrow <laughs> my glasses, but I'm like negative seven, so you're just going to feel like you're drunk. D- will that help me? I, will that help me or not help me? Maybe it'll help me with the <laughs> sci-fi know. experience. It, it, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it would make for a good time. Yeah, yeah. Some strobing lights and then your glasses, I'm good to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's another tough question. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started reading sci-fi novels? I, I don't know, quite honestly. I think sci-fi, when I started reading it when I was, you know, a little kid, it took me by surprise in a good way. Like, I read a little bit of everything, but sci-fi, like, there's just something about it that it just grabs me. And I don't know how I would define that at all, quite honestly. I feel like you love that experience where when you first saw it, you didn't expect it. It was like, whoa. It's kind of like tasting sugar for the first time as a kid. It's like, whoa, this is addictive. But except for sci-fi yeah. novels is good for you. Sugar is horrible for your teeth. But so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasant surprise when I stumbled across sci-fi when I was a kid. Like, it, it was definitely like, again, sounds corny, but it was definitely uh, life-changing. And luckily, it's a hobby you can do for many, many, many more years. Heck yes. 
And now I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, projects, or anything at all that you would love to share with the lovely listeners? So I have an Instagram I'm not very active on, but I do post to like, you know, the random vintage sci-fi that I find in these bookstores. And uh, the name is Angel of Sin 84. Perfect. I will put that down and I will share with everybody so people can just be friends with you, be chill with you, ask questions, <laughs> you know, learn more about your sci-fi passion. And now for the last question, I, I get to turn the table a full 180. Do you have any questions for me about reading sci-fi novels? Well, do, do you read sci-fi? Depends on what you consider as sci-fi. If it's mangas, I love sci-fi mangas. Would that count? I mean, the cockroaches <laughs> in space thing, yeah. I mean, that's pretty sci-fi if you ask me. Yeah, that's, what, you told me that's not real? That's not a documentary? That's not a, like a biography or David Attenborough wrote that book? No? I mean, I don't know. Check back in 50 years. It's totally plausible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I get to meet a 10 foot tall Carl Croach that wants to just use my spine as a toothpick, I probably don't want to meet it. Oh my God. Can you imagine if they were like the predator where like they rip out your spine and do like the Yeti call? Like, it, oh. Oh God. Well, what's creepier about these uh, cockroaches, their facial expressions don't change and you have the big beady eyes. And it's just oh like, my God. and then when they go for the kill, they just go and there's no facial expression. So yeah, uh, that's creepy. Yeah. I, I think I need that in my life though. Yeah. I will send you a photo of, or a photo, I'll send you the, the novel or the novel, the manga. And then you can live, you can be the judge who's like, you know what? This is up my alley. Or you know what? This is way off my alley. Nope. I do not need new cockroaches <laughs> in my life. I have way too many in my house. I'm not implying you have some in your house, but if you already have one, that's way too many. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so why do you like um manga better than most genres i love mangas it's the stories are so cap captivating for me and the visuals come into play that just brings me together sometimes i actually prefer the mangas over the animes and even really? if the mangas are in black and white it drags me in and the storylines are amazing like right now one of manga i'm reading is one piece and that's been going on since 1999 and it has like over a thousand thirty five chapters. And uh, I've just been reading that every week. And it's like about this like pirate society and finding things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I love Japanese stories. And I think I think, you know, it's this might be controversial or a hot take. I think a lot of Japanese stories are better than, let's say, some American movie stories, and I feel like they should combine together and work together to just make the perfect. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like, look at what South Korea does with the horror movie genre. Like, they have amazing horror movies compared to American. I think I think the world should come together and create stories together because there's some creative visual artists in some countries, and then creative storytellers in other countries. We just we just need to get together and make the perfect story. Perfect sci-fi story. Do you think that um, the, uh, Magna, you like, you think it uh, captivates you because it's also giving you a visual along with the story? 
I think, yeah, it comes into play. I, I kind of get lost in between the visuals and the story. Sometimes I, I notice the visuals more, especially for fight scenes. I look at the visuals, but then when it's the storyline, I actually sometimes forget the visuals and just go deep into the words. So it's kind of weird. And also what comes into play, my dyslexia makes things, uh, me focus more on making sure I read it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I got dyslexia, and usually people who have dyslexia don't like to read, but I like reading mangas. So I'm like, yeah, challenge accepted. That's that's my challenge. Right, and if that's your thing, that's your thing. More power to you. Yeah, I got power sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Rena, for just coming on and sharing your passion for heavy metal, for tattoos for being an awesome person and especially sci-fi novels. Of course, you cannot miss sci-fi novels. If you guys Absolutely. would like to learn more about uh, Rena, you can go check her out or them out. Sorry, pronouns. Uh, check Rena out. Uh, I'll put the links down below so it'll be very easy to find. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the show and want to show support, you can. You can leave a review. I have a Patreon. I am... Was that I'm selling merchandise and I'm actually working on a board game that I created. So that's my other side. It can be sci-fi. There's actually, actually there is a sci-fi card in my board game. So there I am contributing to this sci-fi okay. universe. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, you should go show Rena some love. So Rena, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. You have a good one. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>